Well, welcome again to the table. We hope that you can hear us this time around. I'm Debbie Manning. I'm one of the pastors here at the table, and we're glad you all are with us. Hey, we are in a room that's called Harrison. Harrison. Isn't it called Harrisonville? Yeah, I don't think it's Harrison. Harrison Town or Harrisonville. We're actually at Bethlehem Lutheran, and we are coming to you in a live stream, which is really a first for us. We haven't done that yet. Um, our hope and intent, and you guys know this by now, was that we would be meeting in person tonight in the parking lot. And when Matt and I and our team talked about this a month ago, um, we thought it was really important for us to gather in person before the election. There's been so much um, angst around this up and hope around this upcoming election, and we just wanted to be together. So we're doing that from this room. Thanks for your patience with us, um, but we made it, we're doing it, and hopefully everyone can hear and see us and we're together. Yes, hey, before we get into any kind of conversation or what will be, I guess, the message tonight, mm -hmm. uh, one announcement we wanna make for you. There might be more that come up, but there's one on the forefront of my mind. Not tomorrow night nor Tuesday night, but on Wednesday night, we're going to do a community check-in. Uh, whatever, come what may on Tuesday, mm -hmm. we want to have space on Wednesday night where we can at least just say, like, are you okay? Like, are you holding it together? Are, are, you, are, you, are you okay? I think it's important, so we may, we're making that a priority. There was another announcement on top yeah. of that one. Uh, well, our regular announcements, which if you want to, if you want to connect with the t to the table, all you need to do is text table to three three two two two, and you can get connected, stay connected, find out about everything that we're doing, and. Along those lines, maybe we could talk a little bit about this. We have been putting our heads together. We alluded to it last week and just trying to be creative about what we might be doing over this long winter because we, it looks like we probably won't be meeting in person. And so one of the things we can tell you about now is that we are going to have an awesome Advent series that we're calling An Honest Advent. Yep. Right? Yep. And so we're getting books for everybody. Yep. And we're going to have a, we'll let you know more about it, but there'll be a day you can come and grab your book and social distance and Matt and I will be there on my front porch and we'll be able to connect with y'all. But we're trying to think of these ways that we might stay connected, um, maybe get connected through this season up ahead. The only other thing that I can think about is our giving. You yeah. want to say a little bit about that? Sure. I mean, as, as is always true, and I think we feel it especially in these stretches right now where life feels thin can, and yet like congested and heavy mm -hmm. at the same time, uh, we are grateful for those of you who, who call the table your home and are fiscally backing it. Um, however you are choosing to do so, you, you are the ones who are making this whole thing happen. Mm -hmm. And so um, here our gratitude on that, but also here our ask. I know that um, at the end of the year, we are stewarding funds in different ways, and we, we are not trying to inflict any kind of mm -hmm. financial burden on top of you, especially knowing all the financial burdens are already on top of you. But if you're like, hmm, where do I put this $100,000 tonight? Uh, maybe <laughs> yeah, keep the table great. in your mind. Because Be I know awesome. you've been pushing for a salary upgrade for <laughs> yeah, quite right. some yeah. time. <laughs> okay, stop. Um, that's all we have for announcements. Listen, before we get into uh, what we're going to talk about tonight, um, I want to ground us. And by that, I mean, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, mm -hmm. how it just feels like, um, oh my gosh, you guys, I had somebody tell me the other day, they said, like, I'm just freaking out over all the election news. Like, mm -hmm. everything is scary. Everything is terrifying. And I said, like, so 
so what are you doing to relax? And they said, well, I watch like something less scary, like Silence of the Lambs or <laughs> The Exorcist or something like that. It feels like we are all like, I read this last night, it feels like we are all together waiting the, a biopsy report to be delivered. Like there is some results hanging in the air and mm -hmm. we don't know what to do as we mm -hmm. sit and we pace the floor and we scratch our heads wondering what's gonna happen, how's it gonna happen, is it going to happen? All of these 10,000 questions and more, and we don't really have direct answers or even trusted sources right now that we can go to to provide us with direct answers, that in all of it, we are being asked to maybe hold the heaviest thing of all, which is uncertainty and, and ambiguity. <laughs> and so before we even dive into Matthew 25, where we want to take and close out this Jesus for Precedent series, Will you join me in just a breathing exercise? My therapist taught me this one. It's called 7-Eleven breathing. And what you're gonna do is you're gonna breathe in through your nose for seven seconds, hold it for one second, and then out through your mouth for 11 seconds. So join me in this. feel better now? Fantastic. Thanks. I feel like everything <laughs> makes sense all of a sudden. You guys, we are at the end of our um, series, Jesus for Precedent. And while we, what we have been trying to do in this undertaking is name, like, what are the pieces that, that are the cornerstones of Jesus's own ethical framework foundation from which he, he, he derived for his own life a political strategy? And, and ethical decisions were being made. And we talked about said. we talked about all these different mm -hmm. pieces. Tonight we wanna to close in on one particular text. I'm gonna have Debbie read to us and give us an initial dive in here in mm -hmm. a second. But we wanna look at this text because I think, well, let's talk about why I get yeah. Let's go there. Yeah. One of the things I wanted to say on the front end was that our intent from the beginning when we we're gonna be outside and now we just moved it inside was that this wouldn't be so much of a message but just a reflection, just an exchange of conversation, reflecting on a passage that I think is really important to us as people who follow Jesus. So um, get comfortable, close your eyes, just take this in, Matthew 25, 31 through 40. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you. And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. I think that there is so much in that passage. And one of the things that Matt and I, when we were speaking earlier this week, 
said, let's just, let's just both reflect on what hits us. And the thing that I wanted to start with was this idea that so often we look at this passage in the church and we think about um, eternal judgment. And I think that, I think it's a bit of a mess because I look at this passage and what I see in this passage is, is a, uh, a reminder. It's a wake-up call. And I think that's a beautiful way to look at this passage because I think I don't think the gospel intent of this was to say, hey, you know, who are the goats? Who are the sheep? Let's divide. And here's the list. This is how we keep a list. Like, how many people have you cared for? How many people have you passed by? I mean, how would you even do that? I think that is not the intent of this passage at all. I don't think it's that clear cut about categorizing people into goat and sheep. Because I think the truth is, I think we're both. I don't know about you guys, but I have had times in my life that I have stopped and I have helped give, given food to someone who's hungry, drink to someone who's thirsty. I have cared for someone who is sick. But the other reality of my life is that I've walked by. I have passed by those that are sick or hungry and are in need in, or are in need. And I, I think that when we can understand that reality, that we are both goat and we are both sheep, we can get past that that's not even really the point of this passage. I don't know, just what are your thoughts? Yeah, and I, I want to take that further, but I just don't think that's what this gospel is about well, right let me now. Get in your way. <laughs> I think what's interesting, and, and I'm kind of like came in with 10,000 different notes, I'm going to turn it off because I'm feeling it right now, mm -hmm. on this Matthew 25 in particular. I grew up... Um, beautiful family, beautiful church, mm -hmm. and, and following Jesus was about uh, memorizing the Bible verses and about proper and consistent church attendance and mm -hmm. church wardrobe too, you know, like I looked, I looked good growing up. I didn't wear hats to church growing yeah. up, but I wasn't really a Christian growing up either, not as a re in, because of what somebody or something did to me, but just because it just felt like so, okay. Like, like, it just didn't feel like it had any weight to it. Like, it, it, it was good news. That's what I was told. It was good news. But that, I wasn't hearing that it was actually good news yeah. outside of the church. It was just coming from people telling each other that, I promise you guys, we're doing good news. College, though, with Ephraim Smith was the first time I ever read uh, Matthew 25. Is my mic off right now? Is it good? It's on? It's on? Okay. Mark Shmeeby said he can't hear me. And if, what's the point in talking Debbie's to you? Shmeeby's getting... Debbie's too loud for the first time. Ever. Oh. Debbie is always the loud one in the relationship. Ephraim Smith, <laughs> Sanctuary Church. I remember weeping when I read Matthew 25 for the first time. Both, I think, because of the tragedy of, of a Christianity that I grew up in, much of which withheld this, this centrality of the mm -hmm. least of these, the naked, the thirsty, the hungry, the prisoner, the poor, the ones who Jesus himself identifies as. Mm -hmm. And Jesus saying, if you mistreat them, don't get it twisted, you're mistreating me. Like, that's, right. that is what is happening. So there's both like, both like the beauty of the call of Christ for me, I, I just didn't, it wasn't on the fullest display in the church I grew up in. But then when I saw it, that, then I saw, like, that is, it is the most, it's the first tattoo I got on my body was Matthew 25, 40. Oh, I didn't know that. It was, because that is a, it, it is, 
I have, we talk about this all the time, and I'm probably too redundant about it, but I, am, um, I have more questions than answers when it comes to a benevolent, relational God interacting with us on a day in, day out. But the beauty of Christ's call to tread a path that looks like that, that is the most compelling thing I've ever heard. When they actually center the story on fidelity to this king yeah. is not like fidelity to Joe Biden or fidelity right. to Donald Trump. It's not going to make your pockets deeper or fatter or mm -hmm. wider. It's going to actually probably cost you some things. Right. Because you are no longer centering yourself as the protagonist and the only one that matters. Now right. you have to take into account the person you just drove by on the street. Yeah. Now you have to take into account not just like your own consumption, but the planet that you are consuming from. Now you have to take into account like, the people that you have disregarded because of crappy laws that have put people in prison who, who are reacting out of desperation from the people who created their desperation. Right. Now you have to say, wait, that was Jesus that we threw behind bars. Like, it, it changed. This is the paradigm shifting text. That Absolutely. I, t I totally agree with that. And I think for me, so much of this text is this idea. Um, Yes, the least of these, but I think it's a text about seeing and choosing. Yeah. And the seeing, and this is something that really struck me this time when I read the passage, was seeing the least of these. Because so often we think about literally, which is true as well, the hungry, that person on the street that w that's always there with a sign asking for money or help or food or shelter. But I think the least of these are often anonymous people like that, but I also think they're people in our lives. I think the least of these are the people that sit at our table, that are in our families. They're the people on the underside of power. And that's why I think this passage is so powerful for tonight as we're talking about voting. Because we are going to be, we're, we want everyone to vote. I mean, everyone has got to get out of vote. But this is important for that because the way we vote matters. Because those that are on the underside of power are in this culture, in the church, LGBTQ women, people of color, immigrants. I mean, I think that sometimes we limit ourselves when we think about the least of these, because the first thing we think yeah. about is, oh, you know, it's, it's a homeless person. It's, and I think it's just bigger than that. So I think it's important that we understand um, who are the least of these and that we're seeing, because it's only when we truly see that we can choose, mm -hmm. like the daily choice of choosing to see Jesus in everybody, yeah. of, of choosing, of, of understanding that when you love, when you pause, when you s sacrificially give of yourself or set yourself aside, that it's because you see you did it for Jesus. And I, I don't know. You no, know, so, I, I would just jump on that, though, and I would say, like, absolutely, like, the centrality of sight when it comes to, and not limiting it to certain right. people, be it at the top or the bottom of the totem pole. But also seeing beyond the thing and, and what is the thing that's putting people in these different predicaments. So I was doing this study a couple weeks back on um, Will, uh, Reverend William Barber. He kind of led this group through uh, looking at the last week of Jesus. And his point doing so was when we think about right now in this COVID reality with 200,000 plus lives that are lost in our country alone, where death is all around us, where it's all saints day today, we're remind, remembering the dead. He, he was like, if, if you knew that you had a couple days left, would you just sit around and watch a fans football team? Would you catch up mm -hmm. on 
on what do you like? What do you do, Debbie? <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> would you just Netflix all day? Like you would do, you would spend the rest of the time that you have in as effective and, and as meaningful ways as mm -hmm. possible. With that in mind, Barbara kind of led us to, he puts it out there. He said, Jesus, he knew what he was getting into. When he entered into Jerusalem the final week, he knew he wasn't going to walk out on the other side. So if you watch then, when Jesus knew, my time is running out, and so I'm going to spend the little that I have left on what matters the most to me, he all of a sudden is pushing back on the economic system of the day. He's pushing back on religious, like, getting in bed with Caesar, which has been mm -hmm. happening since, especially the third century, but it's really present today. He, he, he pushes back on... Uh, the widows and the orphans being marginalized in over like he's looking at but he's going to it's not just a um i'm going to throw a loving arm around this one's shoulder i'm going to raise a fist and make sure that they stop stepping on them like jesus he spends his final week really addressing us now the thing about jesus though is he gets all the way to the cross because he refuses to play caesar's game which I do think is important for us to think about when we talk about political engagement as Christians, when we talk about what is our role to vote. Because per Debbie's, uh, what she already said, we should have, what, what was the stat I told you earlier? America is 26th out of 32 mm -hmm. peer democracy mm -hmm. countries with a, on average about a 50 to 60% voter turnout. Christians should have 100% voter turnout because this is one of the mediums through which we actually love our neighbors. And to not mm -hmm. be involved in politics is still a very political act. That is not benign just because you're withholding your vote. If anything, it just tells me that you don't know the impact of your vote. Exactly. I'm ranting. You no, want to go? I'm getting... I liked what you said that it, because where you started was is that I had just said about seeing people and you talked about the idea that, and then when you're able to see it, you peel back the why behind everything, right? Like why we are the way, why, why people are in the circumstances they are, why they are on the underside of power. And I think, I think that's a piece of what Jesus, what the story is saying is that we have to be people that see each other, see the why behind. We talked about that a couple weeks ago, the why behind the thing. But I think the other piece, Matt, about seeing it's not only about seeing the least of these. It's about seeing the, the truth in ourselves, seeing, seeing the, the light in ourselves and the path of light that we choose and seeing that sometimes we darken ourselves in the path that we choose that can be that dark path. And I think what's important in this passage is Jesus is saying, hey, you have a choice. You have a choice. And I think um, I was thinking about this the other day that if, if I was to look at every single person, circumstance, everybody, situation, and I was to look and I was to say, you know what, the way I interact, the way I treat that person, whatever I do, I'm doing for Jesus, I think about how much that would change the way I do things. Yeah. And I think that's what Jesus is saying here. It's only when we do that are we changing? Do we continue to change? And, and this idea of where I started on, you know, we're all both goat and sheep. I was also, isn't that kind of how our faith evolves and how we're changed and transformed is that we see bigger and bigger and see God in bigger and bigger ways and see God in each other. And that more and more we make those choices that um, change the world, that stand with those that are marginalized, that we actually, it's like what we've been talking about for years about our own white privilege and all that, that it's our eyes open and we start to see and we start to speak out and we start to vote a certain way because we see that 
the call on our lives as followers of Jesus is to see the humanity in every person, to see God in every person. Jim Walls talks about all the time and is very vocal right now in the elections about Imago Dei, the image of God, that that is central to our faith and our politics. And what that means is that our politics, our voting is not just like a religious duty, but it's a spiritual one. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I'm ranting. No, I was going to say, it's why John Lewis, he says that the most powerful, nonviolent tool that we have in our democracy is our vote. And the reason why he says that is because we are in this great experiment, <laughs> which is, we know this, but we're in this experiment where if you believe, as you and I just have said, that all people are made in the image of their maker, then this is how we actually care for all people, people as if they actually were your maker. Right. I mean, that, and that's, again, that's the heart of, of Matthew 25. That's what we're asking people when we close out this series, to mm-hmm. be carrying into the ballot box with you in your body the, the awareness that Jesus himself says, if, you, if you're going to love me, you need to love your neighbor. And in the same way where he shocked the Jewish crowd of his time was saying, it's the Samaritan. He says it to us still by saying, it's the naked, it's the prisoner, it's the pimp, it's the person who, who doesn't have health care. It's the person who is uh, ha- not having her, her benefits covered as she takes maternity leave. You right. can go on and on. It's all of these things, but you cannot, as a Christian with baptism, baptized eyes, you cannot enter into a ballot box. You can't enter into your, your work office without this awareness that the collective spirit of humanity, it matters to me more than it did before. Right. And I think the other important part in this conversation to me is that I think we all know this, right? That this is, we're called to care for each other. We're called to care for the least of these. We're to stand with, to speak up, to do all those things. But I, th- I think, Matt, when I hear people's stories, like this is personal, like this matters. It matters how we vote. It matters how we speak up. He's laughing because I'm using my pastor voice. (laughs) And everyone calls me out when I use my pastor voice. So I don't know. Maybe it's just who I am. Trying to be authentic. No, I love it. Don't don't ever change. (laughs) I get called out on it all the time. Okay, no pastor's voice. It does matter, everybody. Okay? It matters, Matt. It matters. You win 0 to 60 with that real quick. But I do think that... um, Here's the deal. The story that we just read in Matthew, it names the reality in which we live, right? This push and pull all the time, this push and pull between the divinity that lives in us and our humanity. And I think we're called over and over and over again to see the least of these, to choose for the least of these. That's the kingdom of God. That's the life we're called to. Was that pastor's voice yeah that's great Uh. what i want to do is ask you at home who are who are partaking in this live stream what are what is your prayer for this week what is your prayer for tuesday in particular Mm -hmm. for the days to come i don't know if i said this already at the beginning Mm -hmm. but uh pew research just did a poll and they found out that 86 percent of americans right now no matter if you're a conservative or a liberal are very afraid that there's going to be violence on tuesday what is, what is weighing on you tonight as you come into this church service? What, what are you caring? We'd love to hear that. Might not be able to pray over all of it, um, but, but, I love that. but let us in so we can hold that together. That's good. And I wanted to kind of end it with this, that, um, again, like the choices we make make a difference, that they make a difference personally to people, and um, it makes a difference in someone's life. 
And so one of the things that we chose to share with you guys tonight, I have a nephew, Jake, who lives out in Seattle with his uh, fiance, Anthony. They're getting married next summer. Um, I watched Jake grow up since a baby boy. He's my Sam's age, and he's like a, another son to me. And I've known his generosity and kindness and um, tender heart all these years. And he sent a video to the family, to the big extended family. I think there was like 60 people on the email list. And he, he wanted to share why he, as a young gay man living in the United States of America, is choosing to vote for Joe Biden. And I want to say that on the front end, because one of the things that's really important to us as a community is that we've always claimed that we are unabashedly political. And we're political because Jesus was political. But we're not partisan. The times we're in are different times right now. And so what I want to say on the front end, while Jake says in this video that we're going to show you that he is voting for Biden, what we are not advocating that you guys go out and vote for Biden. We are advocating that you align with Jesus and the values of Jesus and that you vote your heart. You vote for the least of these. And I just want to say, should I say more than that? I just want to say that on the front end because... Um, we want to stay true to that value of not being partisan. Yeah, I heard somebody say, I can't remember who, but they said, um, for Christians, the crisis is not that we feel politically homeless. The crisis is that we feel disappointed by that. That's the real problem. Is so we are not espousing one part, particular party that we need you to jump on, but we want you to see the humanity inside of it, because that's where our home is. We're with the people at all times. And the beauty of Jake's story, um, the courage he had to tell this story of what it was like to grow up in this country, in the church, um, as a young gay man, and what this election and voting means to him. Um, it's real. And here's one more thing I'll say before I introduce that. I told Matt this earlier. I actually told Jake on the phone this today. I've always felt um, passionate about equal rights for the LGBTQ plus community. I've always been with and for Jake. The moment he came out to our family, back when he was in college over in Boulder, a holy moment. Um, I've always felt that way. And I said to many of you, I said it on Facebook, that this was one of the, the most important vote of my lifetime. But after watching Jake's video, what I realized is that I can't understand what he knows and whether you're gay or you're black or you're an immigrant, this vote is truly a matter that can change your life. And that's what struck me in this video. So with that, um, we want to play this video for you. Hey guys, I love you. I miss you. I know a lot of you have voted already, but I feel like there's something I need to share before this election. Growing up wasn't easy for me, and it's taken a lot of time to work through the pain that I hid for so long. And we're hoping it plays. Looking back, there's a fear and a struggle with my identity and my sexuality that's present in most of my memories. I was in a world where being gay was a choice. It was a sin. I was told God hated me. It was in the wake of Matthew Shepard, and I feared for my safety in school, in sports, especially in locker rooms. I tried to change the way I talked so I wouldn't be found out. And every time I got dressed, I had to stop and think, does this make me look gay? 
I'm going on 14 years since I faced my fears. My fears of losing friends, of disappointing and embarrassing my family, fear for my safety and for my future. And I'm lucky. In those 14 years, there's very few times that any of those fears have become a reality. But the fear still sneaks in, and it seems ever more present this year. You see, Trump gives people permission to hate people who look, act, or love different from them. And hate crimes continue to go up in his presidency. You may not see it or think about it, but I know every day that there's a huge population out there that hates me for who I love. Every year we put up a rainbow flag to show our love and support for our community in June, Pride Month. And this year, for the first time ever, I was nervous to put it up. I felt like it was a target and asking for trouble. I found another meaning for flags this year. Whenever I saw a rainbow flag in a house or a business, I knew that was a safe space for me. And whenever I saw a Trump flag, I didn't. It was a banner that said, You're, you might not be safe here and we might hate you. Just a few weeks ago, a few members of the US Supreme Court said that they believe the 2015 ruling that guaranteed the fundamental right to, to marry to same-sex couples should be overturned. And the 2020 official Republican agenda says that marriage should be redefined as between one man and one woman. This hurts me to my core. It takes away my rights and it gives people the right to discriminate. People have told me that it'll be up to the states and it'll remain legal in Washington or that it's not true, it's never gonna happen. But it could happen. And with this new court, it wouldn't be that hard. Anthony and I are planning on getting married this coming July and we're really excited to have kids. But say we wanna take our kids on a road trip someday could we be refused service in restaurants or turned away from Airbnbs? If one of our kids ends up in the hospital, will we both be allowed in with them? You may not think our lives will be affected by this, or you may think the gays are making a big deal out of nothing. But let me remind you that it wasn't that long ago I didn't even know if I could legally get married, ever. And just this year, protections for LGBTQ plus people in healthcare have been stripped and the right to discriminate based on religious beliefs was upheld. Until you grow up believing that something's wrong with you and hating yourself because no matter how hard you tried to change, you couldn't. Feeling hatred from society, from the church, from our government, having to be the best athlete or scholar or comedian to God willing distract from your gayness. Finally accepting yourself and looking to the people that you trust for support and guidance and being told to go to conversion therapy. Just this year, worrying about being targeted by proud boys or right-wing militia groups in Seattle just for putting up a rainbow flag during Pride. Until then, you can't possibly believe how much it hurts to hear that the official Republican agenda and the majority of the US Supreme Court believe that the law shouldn't recognize my love or my family. Voting for Trump tells me that being, in, being an ally to the LGBTQ plus community is not a priority for you. 
as this administration tears down the rights that I and those before me have fought so hard for. Feeling comfortable holding hands with the person that you love or using the public restroom that fits your gender identity. Rights that you probably take for granted. It tells me that racism isn't a deal breaker for you and that you're okay leaving our climate a disaster for our kids and our grandkids. The Republican Party is no longer led by those who share Republican values. It's led by one man and his ideals. This election's a referendum on Trump, but it's also a referendum on the party. If you still believe in those old Republican values, but you don't totally agree with the direction the party is taking, now's your time to step up and show the Republican leadership that you will not blindly and faithfully follow and vote for them just because there is an R behind their name. I have a tremendous amount of hope for the future that we can come together as a community that cares about and looks out for each other. We're the ones who can solve poverty and racism, hate, and our planet. And it's not hard. All we need to do is make our voices heard. That's why I am voting for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, and I'm asking for you to do the same. I love you guys. Your vote matters. We have a moral responsibility and a spiritual obligation to vote. And our alignment isn't with Republican or Democrat. Our alignment is with the words and the teachings of Jesus. So we ask you guys, we want 100% of table people to get out there and vote. And just a reminder, um, walk your ballot in. <laughs> you can't mail it anymore. And if you have put an absentee ballot in and you've been tracking it and it's not there, go ahead and go in and vote and let them know. And you can do that. So thanks, friends. And also as a follow-up too, if you are in need of somebody to go with you mm -hmm. to the, the to vote because you, you don't feel safe or whatever the reason may be, assistance of any kind, or you just need a ride, if you're not already part of the Table Community group page, be a, a, join it because mm -hmm. that's a space right there where you raise your hand and you say, could somebody help me out? And we'll have people all around you that are jumping in each other's corners trying to make that happen. So please, if you, if you have a need that's going to help us push to 100% voter turnout, uh, that'd be the great spot to put it in there. With that, you guys, today is not only our last Sunday before the election, but it's also All Saints Day. All Saints Day is the, the night every year where we remember saints, both living um, and those who have died. And for me, especially when I think about the political context that we are in, this is a space that I find great strength inside of remembering that we come from a people, that you are a part of a story, remembering that you stand on the shoulders of people like Martin Luther King and Oscar Romero and Dorothy Day and Mother Teresa and Francis of Assisi, and the list goes on and on. You are a part of a people. You are a part of a story. You have strengthened this. And this is why the church all over the world today read Hebrews 10.39 where it says, um, we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. We don't shrink back. We shoulder on with faith. And we join this story. We root ourselves inside of it with the bread and the wine every week. 
Uh, and so we remember that night where Jesus sat down with his friends for one final time. And he lifted up the bread that was in the middle of the meal. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Whenever you eat this, whenever you take this into your body, remember me. Remember how I identify with the least of these and how now you are to do the same. And then he grabbed the wine that was in the middle of the table and he lifted a glass. And he said, this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant shed for the forgiveness of sins. When you get together and you grab the bread, grab this cup and remember me. Remember what this whole story, your story, our story, is all about. And together, let's pray the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our God, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. <laughs> 